0: there's, there's definitely like a heart and a hunger to it. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to present it as some sort of Rocky movie, but, <laughs> but it is, you, 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 know, you want it so bad that you're willing to take any amount to, to do it or, or you don't. And, and, and I think that those people get weeded out pretty quickly.
1: Welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman.
2: Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today.
1: And today we have actor, comedian, and host of The Daily Distraction at ComicBook.com, Chris Killian. Chris, thank you so much for joining us.
0: What's going on, guys? I'm sorry for my disheveled appearance. I haven't had a haircut in months.
1: (laughs) Well, I wonder why that would be, Chris.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. I, I don't think I've even left this room in at least a week.
1: Yeah, hold on. So, my excuse is I wear caps so uh,
0: there you go you know I'm gonna get into that soon I have a mullet wig that I've been thinking about putting <laughs> on just just so I can blame it just on to something change else. it up
2: yeah, yeah you and, you
0: know, <laughs> be like this is what it's gonna look like under here in just a few more weeks
1: that's <laughs> awesome so Chris tell us a little bit about um, yourself what you do
0: yeah uh, so I, I'm a, I've been a stand-up comic for about 10 years now. Um, though my stand-up comedy has kind of taken a backseat lately since I uh, about three years ago I got a an opportunity to work with a website called comicbook.com and I, I provide video content for that uh, for them. And uh, like you mentioned earlier, I host a show called Daily Distraction, which is kind of like weekend update for nerds or something like it's a daily monologue that uh, I wake up at like four thirty in the morning and write it and, 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 and film it. Uh, lately I, I, have a studio, uh, in Nashville that we, that we film out of, but I haven't been able to do that. So I have this green screen, uh, to, uh, you know, like you said, where the magic happens. Uh, so, so we film that every day and then I film, um, a few other odds and ends videos for them just to kind of you know, keep content rolling and everything. And honestly, I'm, I'm very thankful, uh, considering everything that's going on right now, if I was only doing stand up comedy, I, I, I've got a lot of friends that you know they're in a, they're in a lot of trouble right now. To be honest, you know, so so I'm very grateful that I have something else to keep me occupied in the meantime. Well, sure. So this has been
1: good. Well, thank you. So when and how did you first get involved in comedy?
0: Um, kind of uh, by fluke accident, uh, honestly. Uh, I was uh, a professional wrestler for a few years. <laughs> when I say that, they just laugh. No, it's true. I, I had this huge uh, dream of being a professional wrestler, but I'm like five, six. So, <laughs> impossible. Uh, but, I, but I did it, and uh, I, I did it for a few years. I actually, um, I broke my back doing it. Oh, wow. Which then I was like, you know what, maybe I should use my brain for some some stuff. So I, I started going to Austin P when I was twenty. Um, I ended up getting my bachelor's in English there, and then I started working on my master's. And I was I was uh, I was I was helping teach um, like freshman English and stuff like that. And and just on a whim, uh, uh, I've always been a very creative minded person, and and I just got bored. And so I went and did. Um, I, I started playing guitar in college and writing some funny songs and lana turner who was the wife of ralph may i don't know if you remember uh him she was having like a musician's night at zany's uh so i, I my space messaged her <laughs> <laughs> just to give you guys a, a hint of how long ago this was so i i sent her myspace message i think this was uh, around 2009 and just i i just was like hey i write some funny songs can i can i come up on your show and she was like yeah come on and so i think she gave me like five or six minutes and uh, and I had I so I'd been writing stand up meticulously for like four months and I had these dumb songs to play and I think I invited everybody I knew at the Zanies uh, and I so it was just I don't know it just it couldn't have gone better it was the best first set that anybody could ever have and uh, and I I'm fairly positive that's just because so many people were supporting me there. But um, Brian Dorfman, the owner of Zany's, uh, happened to be there. And at the time, I didn't know how rare that was. But I was just chatting with this guy at the bar uh, for like 15 minutes. And I didn't—I had no clue that he owned Zany's. And so he ended up asking me later on afterwards if I wanted to come back and MC. Um wow. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And I uh, had no clue how lucky I was for that, you know, just – it was just pure luck on my instance, because I know open micers who've been, they've been doing it for years and years and years and can't get that kind of opportunity. And so it, I just really stepped in shit on that. So I don't, I don't know if I can, if I can, if I can say that on this, but, um, you can. Okay, sweet, sweet. But yeah, just a, just a big pile of good luck shit. And and so, um, and yeah, and that's just kind of, that's how it kind of got rolled rolling. Um, I was doing. Uh, I was MCing for a lot of huge names. Uh, Greg Giraldo was one of my favorite comedians. I got to open for him.
1: Wow.
0: Uh, and uh, yeah, just I was opening for the like, like the best comedians at the time, and and in front of some prime audiences. And I think it helped me grow really quickly. And and before I knew it, like other smaller clubs were were asking me to feature for them, and and I just started I started traveling, and eventually got to a point where. Um, you know, uh, Linda Barnes. I don't know if you know her at, at Austin P. She was like um, running the, the 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 literature department there, mm-hmm. and she was pretty much like, you know, Chris. We all support your stand up comedy, but uh, you're gonna have to make a choice of whether you're gonna stay here and teach, or you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna pursue stand up. And, and the way she tells it, and she's like, then I never saw him again. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. So so that's that's pretty much how it happened. Uh, it it, it uh, was unexpected, but you know, I, it, I'm grateful that it, you know, kind of took off that way.
2: What so, was it like that first time being on stage? What was going through your head?
0: Oh, God, uh, it was pretty nerve wracking. But I, I've always been a, a little bit of a show off in the sense that like, I, against my better judgment, I did talent shows when I was in middle school and high school and, and talent shows when they were not, they were never the cool thing to do, but they were really <laughs> not. the
1: cool
0: thing to do. And I, and I just pushed ahead and did it anyway and and then you know and then i did the pro wrestling thing and i mean once you once you've been in front of like hundreds of people in your underwear <laughs> you know you'd be surprised how easy uh, everything else gets and so i i uh i think that I, a lot of those experiences had kind of prepped me for stand up so even though like my first time doing stand up i think i took to it a lot better just because i'd had so much time you know years before that You know in front of audiences in in different capacities so so it's still nerve-wracking i mean don't get me wrong it's like trying to make a bunch of strangers who paid money laugh is is one of the most uh uh it's it's insane it it takes a special kind of person mentally and by special i mean like probably slightly crazy (laughs) uh to to want to do something like that but but yeah i took to it pretty well i think i just had um i think i just had enough prior experience doing other things that 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 it wasn't so bad for me sure
1: so in the time between lana inviting you to do the the show for her and the time you started getting the other gigs is this something you're actively pursuing or is this something that's just happening to you
0: you know i've been interested in it for some time i i don't like being somebody who's ill prepared um I find that I'm not a very good improv kind of person, which is why like maybe this isn't even coming off great. Uh, cause I have no preparation for this whatsoever. So
2: <laughs> it's all I'm right, we'll agree. help you through it. <laughs> so,
0: so I but I just like um like so I, like I said, I spent months writing stand-up when I decided that I wanted to even try it. Um and then and just kind of waited for the right opportunity to do it. Um but even before that i, I i'd been i I'd, I'd scoped out open mics before I'd watched I'd gone to like some local open mics in Nashville and had watched them perform and and kind of like built up the courage of of like, oh well, if these guys can do it and fail miserably like they are, then i can I can probably do it and fail and be okay as well. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I just spent a lot of time um, kind of I think, you know, secretly planning. On doing this, I, I would I would guess at least a year. I I probably like had it cooking in my brain that it was something that I wanted to try.
1: Okay, and what does writing look like at this time?
0: Um, I I bought a a how to um stand up how to write stand up book, which just kind of taught me about punchlines and setups and 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 uh, and then um, Rick Roberts. I don't know if you know who Rick Roberts is. I do. He used to have like a little stand up uh, class that he offered at zany's that, uh, I can't remember. I honestly think that I started taking the stand-up class after I started working at zany's. I can't remember that, that it's a little, it's a little muddy, but I think that I took it after I was already doing stand-up to try to get a little better, but it was, it was like that. It was just, it was just writing down. I, I was writing songs, uh, which helped, um, pad a lot of time. So, um, I was, I was just writing some silly songs and, and, and writing, um, just any, anything down that I thought was funny that I could turn into something, you know? So that's, that's pretty much it. I, I collected, I don't know, probably two or three notebooks worth of just ideas, you know?
1: And are you one of the writers that will do it a certain amount of time per day, or did you just do it as it came to you? No,
0: I do it as it comes to me. There's definitely, um, I wish I was disciplined enough to sit down and write i do that now for the daily distraction show like i am forced to like write every morning for that um but i find that it's more difficult when it's like like i it's easier when i i'm writing for somebody else or i'm writing like with a specific like in a specific parameter but if i'm just like left to my own devices of like what do i think is funny right now and just try to write that i'm no good i'm i'm terrible so i definitely wait for uh for for the what's what's the word I'm looking for when you just have some sort of creative um you know spark. what I'm talking about yeah. say what
1: spark or epiphany
0: yeah yeah it's just that sort of epiphany uh, uh, of an idea um but when I'm into something I also I find that I have very singular like I, I have tunnel vision so I if I'm focused on something I only think about that 24 7 so you know that it, that's probably why, for you know, four or five months, I was able to write so much stuff. It's just—it's all I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I'll get distracted doing something else, and I won't write for months. <laughs> you know, so it just—it kind of comes and goes based on my enthusiasm for it.
2: What was not
0: something, so you... that, not something that I would suggest for most people <laughs> wanting to pursue stand-up comedy. I would—I <laughs> would suggest more discipline. Sure.
2: Thank you what was it like so you come to this fork in the road of you know i'm either gonna now kind of go back to you know teaching and the, and that kind of you know potential path or journey and or choose this path that's maybe a little less known or kind of figured out well what well, tell us about that time point
0: well it it was it was interesting because um i i never wanted to be a teacher as much as teaching seemed like a safe fallback plan mm-hmm i just didn't know what i wanted to do um i i remember when i when i signed up to go to college you know she was like what do you want to do and i was like what can i take the least amount of math (laughs) she was like i don't know english and i was like that sounds great sign me up (laughs) so i just didn't really know what i wanted to do and and i've always like i said i've always been creative minded i've always enjoyed performing um, no matter no matter what it is, and I actually had a a, a son around this time period. Um, I'd had a son in two thousand seven, and so um, I think that I think it was a good hard look at, at um, when I came to this fork in the road. I sort of had this mentality that like if I don't do this now, I'm never going to be able to do this. Mm. Like this is like a last ditch effort to attempt to do something. And I think that was another reason why I was so focused on writing and doing it well and trying to be prepared for it because I did have this idea. It wasn't just a, a, a hobby to me. I was very serious about it. And, and so I, I definitely had this notion that if I don't do it now, if I don't make it happen really quickly, um, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be forced to teach or do whatever else. I'm going to have to do something a little steadier. And uh, so I think having Colby, who's my son, I, th- I think having him was uh, a huge, you know, kind of uh lit a fire under my ass sort of motivation mm-hmm. for, for, for doing what I was doing.
1: So at this point, um, what happens? Are you, uh, you, you're making the decision what's going on surrounding that? Like what are the opportunities? What are you actively doing at this point?
0: Um. Just uh, just the normal stuff. that, I mean, I remember I had a website for myself very early on. Um, wh- by the time I was emceeing at Zany's, I was like, I was, I was getting a professional website done. Like, I had a website where I was like swinging on a mic cable through <laughs> a cityscape, looking like some stand-up Spider-Man or something. And, uh, and I just had this mentality that like the more professional that I looked, uh, the the more people would take me seriously you know uh i felt a little silly doing those things as a, as a as an mc and with no real credits to my name i remember i i had this whole booking uh press kit that i had, that i had built up uh these folders that i would send out uh to clubs all over the country i mean i was sending them out to everybody and and i and i was lying about where i performed. <laughs> that didn't credits at all so i was just i was making up like. Like venues, or, or or doing like colleges that I'd done shows at that weren't really college shows as much as I'd performed in like mm. a cafe or something on the college. Gotcha. You know, I was doing you know <laughs> I was doing stuff like that, but you know, the people were you know there was definitely a hustle to it, and uh and people were you know calling me back or emailing me back, and I you know Zany's was a big helper because Zany's is such a a room as far as comedy clubs go. I don't know if you guys know, but an a room is somewhere that books like like celebrities for their acts mm-hmm. and so the fact that i was opening up at Zanies had these you know b rooms being like oh well if he's opening at zany's he must be able to feature or he might even be able to headline and you know things like that and so they you know they would they would ask me and i, re- I remember um almost as soon as i was MC at zany's there was a, a smaller club in jackson tennessee called south street i don't know if you remember south street but um they he so Harvey, the guy who ran South Street, actually messaged me and was like, Well, if you're emceeing at Zany's, you you want to come feature here? And uh and I was like, Yeah, and he was like, You got 30 minutes? And I was like, Heck yeah, I do. I had like eight minutes. <laughs> 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 and so I was just writing like uh just a demon, just pulling out all the stuff that I could I could pull out uh to to make that work. And yeah, when I look back and think about where I am now and how I got here, I I had I had some man i i had some big old gigantic balls because i (laughs) there's no way i would have done that stuff now (laughs) what are
2: some when you were at zanies and and had that opportunity what are some of the uh experiences that stand out in your mind about that time period
0: um experiences how like um what do you mean
2: like some of the things that you look back and maybe remember of, oh, that that was kind of how I learned that lesson, or um, that was interesting to see that person do that, and I kind of took that into what I was doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was watching everybody that I opened up for. I, I was definitely, I was watching their shows and, and watching people respond to them and trying, there was a lot of, I don't think people realize how much audience psychology there is, mm-hmm. you know, to stand up. And same with like, when I was doing the pro wrestling thing, I mean, you know, I I was, you know, there was a time I was working as a quote unquote bad guy, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of freedom in being able to uh 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 actively pursue an audience hating you. You know, when you when you can kind of like that's the goal is that like being booed is as good as being cheered, you know, there's a freedom in that. And I think the same thing applied to stand-up. I think that I think that if confidence sells everything and so that was the big key that I was watching a lot of these successful standups going up there is that like, if you know that you're funny, people will just buy into it. You know, mm-hmm. people, and a lot of them weren't that funny or they weren't great joke writers or whatever, but they had the, they had a very uh, confident personality to get across that message. And, and people just, you know, people buy into it. Cause people don't want to be like, well, I don't want to be the odd one out that thinks this guy's not funny. He clearly, you know, he clearly is doing the thing. So, um, it was just watching people. um, It's just watching other comedians. I don't want to name certain names as far as like who I thought was funny and not funny, but but it was just watching the similarities between all of them and and what it was that sold, uh, sold the audience and made them buy into them. You know, I I think that was, I was, I was just a, I feel like a student for, you know, for a long time, I was just very, I was very uh, just diligent about sitting down and watching everybody and, just kind of soaking up like the tricks like paying attention once you decide you want to be a magician you know you're you're watching to see how they're pulling the tricks off and and it's no different with 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 stand up and with with wrestling and all those things
1: i love that comparison you made um so going back to what you said about being okay with being booed um, i think people that have never done stand up often find it surprising that for many comics the groans i guess is the best way to say it being when people are groaning it's almost as good or if not better than when people are laughing have oh, you found that to be the case
0: i love that i love that stand up i i i've never heard anybody else use this phrase but i have this thing that i would call the redeemer uh which was a joke where i would i would intentionally try to make an audience groan but then i would try like i would try to hit them with something funnier right afterwards to make them feel stupid for groaning because it's, kind of <laughs> it's a funny idea and um and those were some of my favorite jokes to write. Definitely. I, I, it, you know, any kind of reaction is a good reaction. It, it, the, what you don't want is, is, um, just complete. Uh, so you just don't want people not caring one way or the other, you know, good or good or bad, as long as they're invested, it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. You know, so that, that was the the biggest thing you, the, the biggest enemy for stand up comedy is indifference. You know, just people just, just kind of sitting on their hands, not, not
1: feeling anything. So, Marriage and standup have that in common.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what is it like now? I mean, I hate to kind of jump to now too quickly, but what is it like now uh, when you're having to produce these shows that you don't really get that audience, you know, that direct audience kind of feedback?
0: Yeah, it's, it's strange. Um, I've been doing these shows now for, um, Maybe like two years, I think, where where I've been kind of producing them in a studio, and 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 you kind of have to wait, it, it, you have to wait for the feedback um, mm-hmm. until it's online. But, you know, one thing that's different about like I, I do something very similar structurally compared to like the Daily Show or Weekend Update and all of these sorts of late night things, but they also have uh, a live audience there for them, which I never have. So I find it really funny because now with the pandemic, everybody's recording their shows from home and you can kind of see how awkward it is when people are making jokes and there's no audience to laugh yeah. at them. And I'm just like, these guys, <laughs> but the amateurs, I've been doing this for years now. Um, I do miss uh, when I don't do up and I, and I do these shows, I do miss the immediate reaction, but you, you know, you also know once it goes online based on the comments and everything and, you can just kind of tell what's working and what's not working, and that's also gratifying. So they're different. Um, they're different, but but I, but I've always been a stand-up that trust my gut when it comes to like a, a joke, and mm-hmm. and and I I don't always need the audience to tell me if something's if I think something's funny or not, you know. So but I do miss it. I do miss I do miss that immediate gratification. Right now, I I haven't done stand-up since New Year's Eve, and so um partially because of this pandemic going on i had some shows planned that we've you know obviously had to cancel Mm -hmm. and uh i I don't think my next show's booked right now or uh that haven't been canceled or until like august and so you know time will tell if we're still going to do that
2: yeah yeah yeah. yeah. well you're also you know a musician and songwriter when did you get into that was that something you started as a kid i
0: was no 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 well I, i always i mean like i said i used to do the talent shows um i've always like singing and 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 doing those sorts of things but I couldn't play an instrument at all I used to rely on other friends to play guitar or piano with me uh to do those things but I started playing guitar uh my freshman year of college and uh and started and I just kind of taught myself and I'm honestly I'm a terrible terrible guitar player I just I just can do enough to get by like like open chords and and it's, it's, it's not good. I would never, I would never suggest anyone listen to me. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's when I started was when, when I was a freshman in, in college.
1: And so I'm curious, how did you go from the feature, uh, performances to getting the headlining? Is this all the same time period? Yeah, a lot of it
0: would depend on. First off, I'll say that I I took on featuring and headlining uh, both both times before I was really ready to. I was <laughs> I was I was lying through my teeth when I would say that I, I I was capable of doing that. But I think maybe every comedian does that. I, I think that I, you just don't know if you can fill the time until you fill the time. You know, so. Um, but yeah, it, they all kind of blend together because you know I'm not a I'm not a well-known celebrity by any stretch of the imagination. So, <clears throat> like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna headline Zanies all week long because it's an A room, you know. So I'll like I can headline there like a Wednesday or Sunday night, and then you know, and, or, and then I'll feature there for the rest of the weekend. You know, that would be kind of like a, a setup where I would say someone at my level would probably be. But meanwhile, there's other clubs that I could headline. You know, there's other, and then there's other A rooms that I would do the same thing where I would maybe headline an off night and then feature the rest of the week. Um, So they all kind of blended together. So as my point is that I feel like um, there was no set stage where I was like, now I'm a feature, now I'm a headliner. It would just depend on the club, to be honest, you know, and and, and where I was at in my career.
2: It sounds like this is a a day-to-day thing
0: yeah, yeah, it can be. It, I mean, it, it, like it's like I said, I don't do it as much anymore I, because I've been doing so much work for ComicBook.com. I, I I do have the pleasure of picking and choosing some of the clubs that I like to go do. So most of the clubs that I do now are uh, I I don't feature really anymore just because I I don't have to to pay my bills. I've I've got a steady income with ComicBook, and so. um, I'll I'll kind of just go out just to keep my stand up legs sharp, you know. I'll go out and uh, and do that maybe every, you know, every every month or two was was generally what I was trying to get out on the road was, you know, I'd go out for about a month or or not a month, but I'd go out like once a month and 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 do a gig or something. Some sometimes those would be college gigs. Mm-hmm. I still do a lot of college gigs and and then sometimes there's a few uh, there's a few clubs that i would that i would go to where i can do my dirtier material
1: <laughs> so do you have an agent at this point
0: uh yeah i've got i've got some i've got some acting i've got an acting agent i've got some college agents uh yeah i do people um i do have people that do some work for me sorry i hit my laptop there <laughs> and uh and uh but but mostly like i said i've I've had to turn down a lot of stuff just for time. I don't have a lot of time running a daily show for comic book is a lot of uh that's a lot of work people don't people don't realize how difficult it is to uh maybe write a daily monologue and and that can be that can be quite time consuming There's a reason why people on you know those hosts on those late night shows have like ten writers
1: sure
0: yeah it's it can be taxing so I don't have any writers. It's all me good and bad.
2: I would imagine it's the writing, but also the research that has to go into it, right? You're having yeah. to consume a lot of information to be able yeah. to write those things.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I, I and my and my whole process is, I just go, for the last 24 hours, I just go down Comic Book's Twitter feed and pick out the stories that seem to get the most uh, engagement, and then and then I'll pluck those stories and, and turn the show out of them, you know? Make, so, I make fun of them.
1: <laughs> so how did the opportunity come about to work with comicbook.com,
0: uh, I auditioned for it actually. Yeah, my acting agent got me the audition. She knew that I collected comic books and all kinds of nerdy stuff like that. And so she, about three years ago, um, I, I started doing some commercial work for her. And then she uh, said she had heard about this this website was looking for a host. And uh, at the time, it was just a host like a um, like a watch like an internet watch along thing for. Um, I want to say it was Gotham. I don't know if you remember that show, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was, it, it, I think it was for Gotham. And um, and then when I, so I auditioned for it and, and they brought me on and then had me do just, we ended up doing a whole bunch of work together. So that's kind of essentially how it happened was I just auditioned for it. And- so
2: you had this dream of being a pro wrestler and now, have shifted into this? Is this kind of new dream? Like, do you feel like you're you've found something that uh, resonates with with you?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think that being confined to the nerd space that I am, which is like it's it's mostly just just pop culture stuff and comic book stuff, um, confines me a little bit. I wish I had a little bit more freedom because I. You know, my, sometimes my sense of humor has to be watered down, um, but I understand why, and 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 so I, I definitely work within those confinements. But um, but yeah, I, I I feel like it's something that I'm good at, and I'm aware that like not everybody can can pull it off the way that I pull it off, and so I feel I feel a sense of uh, job security in that way. You know, and I, and like I said, you know, this pandemic has proved to be a perfect. Uh, example of how, you know, luckily I've been able to keep working and keep pushing so out content while, you know, so many people haven't been able to do uh, things like that. And so I'm very, I'm very blessed in, in that way. And and so I, I definitely have reached um, a newfound perspective, I guess, for what I do, because before stand-up comedy always seemed like the fallback plan. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, if I stop working a comic book, I'll always have stand-up comedy. Like I can always go do shows but now that's that's changed and and who would have ever thought that that was going to be uh, a thing that we were going to be faced with you know who would have ever thought that like crowds can't get together yeah. so i never i never saw stand up being the thing that i would lose i always saw that as the you know the last uh, the last 6 or 7 years of my life i've i've considered that to be my my fallback or my fallback plan and and, and it's not the case which is insane so so i do i i i've had, I've grown a newfound appreciation for what I do through comic book for sure.
1: And so I know some of your earlier work, you've gone from at least one example, um, doing parodies of star Wars to interviewing celebrities on the red carpet. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you processed that, what it's been like going from one to the other? Well,
0: I think that, I, I mean, I, I I think I'm still doing all of those things. I'm a little bit of an everyman when it comes to uh, when it comes to comic book. When I when I have sketch ideas that I want to do, they're usually game to let me let me do them. Um, and then the, the yeah the so when I'm not doing these daily shows, um, well, I'm always doing the daily shows. Even when I go out on the road, I'm doing the daily shows because they're you know we have a puppet that looks like me that <laughs> I still voice record uh the whole show and write the show and everything and then they'll they'll do the puppet in the studio and and just go on like business as usual like it's just nothing's changed it's funny and it's funny how many people in the comments don't even bat an eye at it they're just like they're like i would have thought more people would have been like there's a freaking puppet right here (laughs) nope they don't they just they just love the news um but yeah, so I would go, I was going out on the road and I would either do like movie set visits. Like I was in Australia for, for mortal Kombat. I was in London for a few things. Um, so I would either do movie set visits or I would do red carpets or I would do junkets where I would get an opportunity to talk to some of the actors about the movies that they're in. And, and, um, and yeah, it's all of, it's been fun. There's a, there's a, there's a wide range of things I can do under the comic book umbrella.
1: You shared a picture with us. Um, Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I'm gonna go ahead and uh pull up this slideshow. Can you tell us uh, what was going on um with this pick? And, oh yeah,
0: uh, pin pin in the cap right there. That was that was great. I uh I got a chance to talk to Jim Carrey for Sonic the Hedgehog and uh I was in LA for the junket and I talked to I talked to the whole cast. I mean I talked to Ben Schwartz who who he's he's fantastic and and um but Jim was, uh, Jim was not initially going to be talking to anybody. Like we didn't think that we were going to get him. And then that morning that I was there, they were like, no, Jim's going to talk to a couple of people. You guys have uh, ran a lot of positive Sonic news for us. So, you know, we're going to let you talk to Jim. And I got like five minutes to to talk to him and uh, such a, such a cool dude. I love, I mean, you know, being a comedian, he's like, I mean, you can't reach a bigger height than what Jim Carrey has. And so it, being able to just uh, just uh, hang out with him for a few minutes was uh, was a really cool experience. That's uh, something that, uh, and I made him laugh. So now, no matter how many people tell me I'm not funny, I'm going to be like, <laughs> I made Jim Carrey laugh, so you can just suck it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Um and so your specific question was how many people try to talk to you with your ass right
0: oh yeah well there's a few there's a few good questions in there but yeah that was that was one of them and uh and he said he said that uh there was not 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 as many as you might have thought and then i was like well i wish i'd started the whole interview off this way then. i thought that was going to be something that you'd been sick of by now
2: what stand out as some of uh your biggest successes along your way and your biggest failures?
0: Um, man, this, you know, that's kind of, that's actually kind of a tough question. Cause I don't, I don't think I sit down to think about it a whole lot. Um, I don't, I don't really believe in, in failures per se. Mm-hmm. I don't look at it that way. I think that when things haven't gone my way, I just, I just assume that that's because there's something better around the corner. You know, if, if, if something didn't go the way that I wanted it to, I just either wasn't ready for it or it wasn't in the cards for me, but, but I I never look at it as a failure because I definitely, you know, put it out there in the universe and, and, and whether or not it came back to me or not is is not up to me. But, um, so I don't, yeah, I, I, I I try not to look at things like that. Success wise, I mean, just the fact that I'm that I'm here and I'm and I'm making a living, you know, doing the things that I'm getting to do. You know, before the pandemic, the fact that I was getting to make strangers laugh or talk to people like Jim Carrey, uh, all that is a is is a success to me. I mean, so, um, I, I you know, I've gotten to, um, I I've made enough money that I could take my son to Universal Studios for vacations or or you know, we can go wherever we want at any time. And, you know, that's a success to me. So, Mm -hmm. so, so I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to grade it on a, on a, on a particular, you know, uh, level, but, but just the fact that I've been able to do this and, and make a living, it has been huge. We just built a house. I mean, I just built this house on, you know, making strangers laugh. So, which is insane to me. It's crazy that, you know, and it took a long time, but, Mm But here we are, and so so I don't think I'm ever going to consider myself not a success and, and I try not to look at it in, in in the framework of like could I have been bigger or could I' have pushed it harder or gone farther I, I I just don't you know i i don't I don't looking at it that that way doesn't really appeal to me at all, and so i don't i try I, I think that's a little bit of a negative you know I think that's dangerous territory to get into you know mentally, so exactly. I, I try not to look at it that way and and think about like what i consider failures i guess i don't know if that's uh, this is a on the spot answer so I don't <laughs> no that, was, that a was, was a great
2: answer it's a great answer aligns with a lot of a lot of things we know about kind of resilience and it's tied to optimism and really having that outlook on things
0: wow. it 100 is i mean you know I, I i've got so many stories of people who asked me like like aspiring stand-up comics have asked me like how I got to this point and I don't I don't have an answer for them other than like don't take no for an answer like Mm -hmm. that's that's all that's all you can do like I remember I don't again I don't want to name names but one even when I started out I was MCing or I was featuring at a a club and this comic asked me like what can I do to get into that club and I was like I don't know the usual stuff email them (laughs) you know be relentless about it bug them I don't know And he just, he, he kind of kept bugging me about it. And so I was like, okay, well, let me talk to him. I see what I can do. And so I talked to the owner of the club and said, I got this friend back in Nashville who wants to come in and, 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 and show you what they got. And, um, and so she was like, well, I can, I can MC them if you want. And you know, I don't have a place for them to stay, but it's like 50 bucks a show and, and, you know, and, and they can do that if they want. And I was like, okay. And so I told them and they were like, well, that's all it pays. And I'm like, what do you mean that's all it pays? (laughs) Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, like you don't, you're not doing anything right now. And so I, you know, that, that to me was like a big difference between me and that person and why that person's not doing anything now, you know, Mm -hmm. versus like why I am, you know, it's, it's just, it's just kind of like, you just have to like, always be forging ahead and pushing yourself forward. And and not taking no for an answer and not and not stopping for those you know there was definitely a time when I, I would have done it all for free if, if somebody was you know giving me stage time and giving me opportunity you know so I, I, don't, know. I, I, I don't know I don't know how to answer those questions I, I think there's a relentlessness to successful people that you just you have ingrained in you or you don't and I'm not trying to say that I'm super successful but I just like I said, just the fact that I've been able to pay my bills doing this to me is a success because there's so many people out there who wish that they were doing that sort of thing. And they, and they can't, they, you know, they, they don't know why they can't, but they can't. And I think it is tied to a lot of relentless
1: optimism. I definitely would categorize you as a success story. Um, and I should have taken that $50 gig. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, so the well now i just lost my train of thought laura what was your question
2: (laughs) (laughs) so i mean you talked about the relentless optimism piece what do you think are some other or i should say do you think there are other kind of keys to to your success
0: um yeah it was kind of like i mentioned earlier i mean i i don't want to take away from how much good luck has with it you know um perfect op- uh, example is the opportunity at Zany's. the first night that I was there. You know, I when I when I said that I didn't realize how lucky I was at the time was true because it was only after the fact that I started emceeing there every week for you know, a year that I realized Brian is never there. He's never there. He, he would have never been there to see me otherwise. So the fact that he was there on that night just this and and not only just there but when he is there he's in the green room just hanging out he's not watching the show you know so the fact that he was there that night and just having to be out in the in, in the showroom watching the show and could see that you know I had something um at least the, the the capability to MC or whatever um and then he asked me to do that that was was huge just huge luck you know and I and I and I don't want to give away like um I don't. I don't want to undersell just how how much luck I think has a part in in people's success as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, well, who was it? Was it um, what's the what's the phrase? I think it was Oprah that said it's like um, opportunity meets preparation or mm-hmm. something like that. Is you know that that's that's kind of it. I mean, it's just it's just being ready for for some sort of moment to to strike and all. You mm-hmm. know, in the meantime, be working towards that and. And when that opportunity presents itself, you're, you know, you don't choke and you're ready for it.
1: It's interesting. There's a saying in the music business, um, if you want to perturb um, an artist or a musician, get them a gig. And I think it's a little bit what you're saying, um, yeah. because if it's not paying enough, if it's not convenient, only those who are willing to do it for free, basically are going to take some of those offers. So yeah, um, I think it's yeah, the same. I
0: mean, you, you, you know, you reach it, you reach a point where, um, you know, I'm I'm blessed enough now that if if somebody was like, Hey, I gotta, you know, I got a show that I'll pay you a hundred dollars to do and it's five hundred miles away, you know, there's a time I'd have been all over that. Now I can't just because of time, you know, because, you know, I am being paid in other areas that like that 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 money's not worth my time anymore. Exactly. But but you know, before, um I I would have been all over something like that, you know easy and and uh and I still would be today if it wasn't for you know just the lack of time that I have available you know so so that's really what that boils down to I mean it it, is just like there's there's definitely like a heart and a hunger to it you know I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to present it as some sort of rocky movie but (laughs) (laughs) but it is You, you you know you want it so bad that you're willing to take any amount to to do it or, or you don't. And, and, and I think that those people get weeded out pretty quickly, you know, Um, at least I, at least I, that's been my experience. Sure.
1: Uh, What have you learned about yourself throughout this journey?
0: Oh, man. Um, That what have I learned about myself? Well, that I'm, I'm a, uh, with some with some ways to put this i i'm a lot more stable than other standup comics <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm not as crazy as i thought i was but also um i don't know that i always realize how um how optimistic i am but i am i am an optimistic person and and i and i do feel like when push comes to shove that i'm capable of of doing anything that i put my mind to Um, and I, and I definitely believe that now, I don't know that I always was cognizant of that fact, but I am now. I I think that there's nothing that, that if I want to do something, I can get it done.
1: And what advice would you give an aspiring stand-up comedian?
0: Uh, first it would be to not listen to anyone's (laughs) advice, but if you have to listen to anyone, anyone's advice, I, like I said, don't take no for an answer. A, A lot of it is just, pure um it's just being passionate and it's being um it's just believing in yourself it really it really is and it's and it's so weird because i've i've seen i've i've seen open micers that you know like they don't they don't have the ability that they won't ever get beyond that right and 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 it's such a weird there was there were periods in my life where i was like am i this person am i this like i see these guys where they're not going to go anywhere and am I that guy? Am I am I this am I just some hopeless dreamer that like but but I think it comes down, it boils back down to the work ethic. I mean, there are people that want it and they but they're not willing to put the work in to do it. And then there's people that are willing to put the work in maybe to do it, but they just don't want it as bad as maybe they thought they did. You know, I know some really, really funny people that that they're they're brilliant stand-up comics, but they at the end of the day, they wanted to stay home. They wanted to be married, they wanted, you know, they didn't want to be on the road. They didn't want those things. And so you know it's kind of the right mixture of the two that you really need to to pursue these things. And and um, I don't know, I don't remember what the original question was, but that's the tangent I went off on. <laughs> you answered sounds, it. You,
2: sorry, ahead. it sounds like you also maybe without realizing it early on had a lot of like you said opportunity to build up that confidence to get comfortable with. You know how people reacted and and all those
0: well things. like i like i said i was in my underwear in front of a lot of people <laughs> and i didn't have a great body so <laughs> there was definitely some some uh, a little bit of uh, just blind passion that i just I, I was like uh looking back on it i'm like man i'm hope this is not on youtube
1: <laughs> so you had mentioned that uh some of the performers or comedians not wanting to make that sacrifice do you feel that you've made sacrifices and if so what are they
0: yeah you know I was really lucky in the sense that like me and my son's mom never stayed together like we were apart when he was born and so I was kind of lucky in the sense that I didn't have him 24-7 So when I would go out and do standup comedy standup for me was a way to distract myself, um, from having, uh, not having I guess my, my son. And then, you know, I would be gone for three or four days at a time and then I would come home and I would have him for two or three days and all that time I got to spend with him. Right. But, but then he would go back to his mom's house and I would go back on the road and I didn't really, I think that would have been tougher for me if, her and I had been together, I think I I can sympathize that I I was blessed enough to have that opportunity because I didn't have him all the time, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if I had had him 24-7, I don't know that I would have been able to leave, you know. So um, the fact that I didn't have him and I was just stuck at my house for, you know, four days alone. Otherwise, you know, weeks I didn't have gigs were, were so boring and so um, just... I didn't have anything to do, so, so I, I, I definitely uh, I, I I didn't have to sacrifice as much because of the the way the situation was laid out for me. Um, so I didn't feel I didn't feel, but, but I did, I guess. So that's a that's a perk. But then on the other hand, I did sacrifice a lot of friendships. I do feel like being out on the road as much as I was, and then also having um, when I was home, I would spend it with my son um i did sacrifice you know a lot of friendships i feel like that i'm somebody who i get along with everybody and and i and i care about all of my friends but but i'm not somebody that has like this big tight circle of of of, uh of people you know around all the time like you know i'm 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 definitely uh, a bit of a a stay-at-home kind of loner and uh and I go out, you know, like like when we could go out, I would go out maybe, you know, and meet people like once a month or something and, and go out. But otherwise I'm not, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't, you know, I've seen a lot of friends go on and they get married and have their lives. And I've missed funerals. You know, my my uncle died and I was in London this past year. I couldn't be at his funeral, you know, things like that. You know, those are sacrifices that I that I had to make. Um, and sometimes sacrifices that I, make me feel kind of, terrible to be honest you know i you know it makes me feel like i was picking my career over over maybe people that i cared about and i hate that i was put in a position uh or even put myself in a position to to have to do that but at the end of the day there's you know there's nothing i could have done to really control it uh and so i just tried not to beat myself up too bad about those sacrifices and just feel like that's that's the name of the game
1: so you mentioned excuse me earlier that you might've exaggerated some of your, um, like performances you did at the cafe instead of the auditorium at the university, for example. Right. Um, was there a moment you ever felt you were faking it or that you were a fraud?
0: Oh, I still feel like that. <laughs> I, I still feel like I'm about to be out at any, any time, you know, I don't know that that's a, I, and I've heard, you know, that a lot of people feel that way, that the whole fake it till you make it thing is a real, is, is a real thing. And, 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 um, yeah. Yeah. I, I still, I still to this day have these like nightmares of just, Oh, you know, someone's going to call me out and take this all away from me. And it's just going to be as simple as like, is everyone taking crazy pills? Why do you like this guy? <laughs> and everybody's going to be like, you're right. I don't know. What, what? somebody stop paying him to do that. And it's going to be that, it's going to be that simple. I still, I still feel on some level, like I'm, I'm going to be out of this just some talentless hack that, Never deserve to get any of the, uh, uh, um, never have any of the su- the success that I've had, and and yeah, that still that still scares me, and and I and I realize on a surface level that it's it's highly unrealistic, but it's a it's a fear that's ingrained in there.
2: When when that does come up or your mind goes there, how do you handle that?
0: It's the optimism. It's pushing through with that 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 optimism and just and just telling myself that there's two sides of me. And one side of me is a jerk who likes to bring me down. And I gotta, I gotta keep that guy, you know, at bay. I gotta, I gotta stand over that guy and tell him to shut up. So,
2: You're not alone in that, by the way. We all we all have those two people in our heads. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so one of the areas the work that we've spent almost two decades doing is on studying expertise. Um and part of that debate is how much of something that one is capable of, how much of that is due to natural ability, how much of that is due to development or nurture as it's often called. Um, And so there's two extremes obviously, and then there's everything else in the middle Uh, thinking about your path, or I guess in general, if you don't want to attribute it to you, but in general, how much success would you attribute to the natural part of it and or being born with it, and how much would you attribute to working hard or the nurture part of it?
0: Um, I would probably just go ahead and evenly split it up about like like one fourth luck, one fourth talent, one fourth you know how I was brought up, and maybe like being ignored by my dad <laughs> <laughs> and then and then one fourth whatever else you wanna you wanna attribute success to you know work ethic or whatever. Um, I, I would say that it gets split up pretty pretty evenly there, because I, I, I I'm aware of some very um fragile instances throughout my career that things could have diverted wildly or or, or where things did divert wildly. I mean, you know uh, just uh, just my first time doing stand up and 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 all of the the stars that aligned for me to start doing this as a career. Was was when I look back on it, it's kind of astounding. And my life could have been so much different, um, you know, from that point forward if it had gone a different way. And 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 I don't know where it would have gone, but um, but yeah, I, I think that I think all of those things, uh, you know, you just throw them in a bowl and mix them up, and and that's what you come out with. But uh, yeah,
1: I don't know. I, I have no clue, but that's my guess. Anything that we haven't asked. That you feel is important to share with the listeners
0: no i think you by now you guys have probably decided if i'm a loony person or not and and if i deserve any of this
1: so what is the biggest takeaway from your story
0: um you just I don't know just just keep at it you know like if you really want something just 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 go for it and 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 it doesn't matter if it involves you standing in your underwear in front of a bunch of people just, just, just do the thing just just do it and um and and know that i mean i know it's, it's a little cliche to be like at least you tried but it but it really is that i mean i i think that i have more um i have more regret over the things that i've not done versus the things that i tried to do And it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, you know, so that, that would be, that would be it for me. It's just, you you know, just, just do it, whatever it is that you want to do, just go, go for it. Don't let anybody tell you no.
1: Uh, Lauren, do you have any other questions?
2: No, that's awesome. I loved, you know, hearing your viewpoints on the last couple of things and just how you, again, how you kind of see yeah not only your journey but the the power of optimism and those types of things it's been uh, great to listen to you
0: Good. thank you thank you guys for having me i really appreciate it
1: chris uh, yeah thank you so much for being here um we appreciate you taking the time and i hope all the listeners will check him out at uh, comicbook.com to, and see what you got
0: yeah yeah it's fun i mean don't bother if you don't like nerdy stuff <laughs> there's some deep dives but uh but but other otherwise if you if you like you know, if you like comic books and Marvel and DC movies and Game of Thrones and all that pop culture-y kind of stuff, I mean, then, yeah, come come, come, hang out and watch me make fun of it. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you, guys.
1: The Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by The Path Distilled. All right. reserved.